So I'll start with introducing myself. I'm Xiao. I am one of the rising uh, fourth year chief residents here at WashU. And I am originally from Tianjin, China. I was born there, but I moved to America when I was three and lived uh, and grew up in Massachusetts. I did come to WashU for undergrad um, and then went away to Case Western for medical school. And coming back here to WashU was an amazing opportunity for OBGYN. Um, residency. Hello. Hello. Hey, can you hear me? I can. How are you? Excellent. Great. Ooh, for the record, you just finished a vag hist. Fantastic. That's yes. It, <laughs> it's exciting. Definitely uh, uh, stuff that I still want to work on from a vaginal surgery perspective is what I've as a big takeaway from surgery today. Oh, <laughs> okay, great. Well, and I love, maybe we can start with your favorite quote or my favorite quote of yours, but just go ahead and say it to everyone. Yes, my favorite quote is, it's always a great learning opportunity. What I mean by that is, you know, regardless of what um, challenges arise, what's put in front of me, I think there's always something to learn, whether there's, um, it's even learning about the background of like, how things are done and how you get things done. Um, I think working on how to be efficient and how to get through some of the more menial and uh, difficult tasks that are put before us, there's still always a learning opportunity and everything. I love it when you say that, Joe. It makes, really makes my heart happy. And I, I think it's such a great quote and great motto and mantra to live by. And and that's what you've been doing for the past three years of residency. Um, so we're so excited to have you here on the podcast to tell us a little bit about yourself and how residency's been and what you're looking forward to as you come up on chief year. Um, and that we'd talk this month about transitions and how they're scary and exciting at the same time. And just would love to hear your thoughts on, on all of that. But um, yeah, how, so Tell us a little bit about who you are and, and what's going on in your life right now. Uh, well, sure. Well, I'll, I guess I'll start with introducing myself. I'm Xiao. I am one of the rising uh, fourth year chief residents here at WashU. And I'm originally from Tianjin, China. I was born there, but I moved to America when I was three and lived uh, and grew up in Massachusetts. I did come to WashU for undergrad. Um, and then went away to Case Western for medical school and coming back here to WashU was an amazing opportunity for OBGYN um, residency. Wow, so that, so many transitions there. Um, gosh, do you, do you have any memory of living in China? I do remember China. I guess wow. my three-year-old mind is That's amazing. limited. I remember... <laughs> It was very crowded and very noisy because we lived in a fairly big city of like 10 plus million people. Um, I do I even remember my like first basically steps in America too because I had, was recovering from the chicken pox. Oh, wow. Was actually got sick on the flight over and um, puked on my grandma uh, halfway through the flight. And you can imagine that is not uh, an easy transition. Um, during an 18 hour <laughs> flight to be potentially just be kind of sitting in your grandson's uh, vomit um, for several hours. Wow. Oof. 
Oh, so you came with you came with your grandmother. Um, yes. Who else made the trip? Um, so my parents were already in America. Um, okay. Had sort of started. Uh, my dad and my mom were both um, uh, in graduate school and uh, setting up um, from that standpoint. And they had been in America for about six months. And so I was living in China with relatives until they um, had a little bit more stability here in America. Uh huh. And you moved to where in Massachusetts did you live? We moved all around, but we started off in Billerica, Massachusetts, near the UMass Amherst campus, um, which is where um, my parents went to grad school initially. Awesome. Um, well, what? Um, yeah. So we were. I was going to ask you about you know which transition you know from what time period to the next time period do you remember being the most challenging and you know kind of how did you get through those challenges and and that could be any transition that you can think of yeah I definitely think I've made several big transitions (laughs) the one to America obviously is huge I'm learning a new language Um, I'm meeting new people and even my parents were felt like uh, in a little bit of ways like I hadn't seen them in six months so it was like it was a transition from that standpoint but I don't that's what my parents tell me I don't remember that as much I think my big biggest transition that I really do remember is the transition from um uh high school to college because I had for the most part stayed in Massachusetts and the northeast never imagined going anywhere else um, but when I heard about WashU and heard from my uh, couple of my counselors and uh, one of my teachers who was alumni here about the program here, I was like, well, this sounds like a great college to go to. And maybe it would be nice to branch away from the parents a little bit and sort of um, open my own wings and like get a little bit of distance. And I, it was the best decision of my life to come to uh, WashU for undergrad. I thought I met great friends um uh had mentors uh here and it really set me up for my future career um i thought that was going to be my biggest transition until i hit intern year of um, (laughs) residency and started again here at wash u um because i everyone tells you that it's the biggest change of your like life but you don't quite understand what that means or quite even believe it until you sort of go through it Um, but it's definitely a big that was a big transition what do you think made that the most challenging and and again you were coming back to a a city you knew right yeah I'm so glad that I did come back to St. Louis Uh, like at least I had that aspect of um, the transition Um, uh, was a little bit more comfortable for me since I knew like even basic things like where do I go get groceries or where do I like, um, like where should I live and things like that. Some of the basics I knew and I still had friends in the area. So that helped a lot. But I think being in the hospital as a resident, as a doctor is a very different feeling. And I remember, especially that first couple weeks or months, like you went from like, not necessarily like you, as a medical student, you were you could sort of focus on yourself and focus on what you could do to learn and know that like you can have an impact, but it's it's still a little bit nominal. It's still your focus is on how you can become a better uh, future doctor. 
as a resident as an intern it got a lot more real real because what you did impacted not just yourself but your patients i remember um i tell med students and interns this like when the first few weeks and months of intern year there is no such thing as an easy decision or easy action Mm -hmm. even the like simplest thing of putting in an order for tylenol takes so much brain power to accomplish (laughs) only have like the like how do i do it like how do i log on to epic put in this order make sure it's correct and dose correctly and timed correctly and make sure that the like nurses will see it, but you're also going through all the things in the back of your head from medical school. It's like, oh, do I have to worry about this person's um, uh, liver function? What about the other meds they're on? Like, will this interact? Even like things that like, you know, this is a regular strength Tylenol. Like you can get this over the counter. Like it shouldn't make a difference. <laughs> you still go through all those things in the back of your head when you're first starting off. And honestly, it's, it's so, those things are so overwhelming. And you, it's hard to even focus on like what you're actually here for, which is like real medical decisions. Um, and so <laughs> once you can get past some of that after the first um, month or so, like that's when like intern years sort of start to really roll and you can be like, okay, I'm here to be an OBGYN. I can start to learn and things like that. But man, that first month is challenging because of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do you, and and I'm sure that at this point in your residency life, that feels so far away. But um, knowing that you're going to be, you know, chiefing new interns pretty soon, um, I guess it's good to recall that and remember that. Um, you know, how does how does that feel like to be coming up on your chief year when that memory is kind of fresh in your mind? It is. It's. It is definitely. Um... Uh, it, uh, this part of the year has gotten me a lot of like, uh, like retrospection on like what, where I've started from in residency to where I've become like looking at my surgical skills, looking at my medical knowledge. So like, it's, it's amazing how much you can grow in the three years here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then thinking about that, there's a, another level of like, Uh, I don't know, anxiety or nervousness about seeing the new interns because one, it's like now I think about all the great chiefs I've had and upper levels I've had that sort of brought me along and sort of taught me. um, And now I feel the obligation to be one of those as well. And a little part of me doesn't know if I'll be a good chief or um, much less a great chief. And so that makes me a little bit nervous, but I'm still going to try to stay positive and just move forward and do the best I can and help these new interns along. That's, that's awesome. I know you'll do a great job. What, but you know, that's having that positive attitude is, is a huge part of it. And you've gotten through lots of other transitions before. What, you know, how do you keep that positive attitude? How do you maintain, you know, who you are as you go through these, tough anxiety ridden times and sometimes um i think at, at i think it's um for me my positivity has sort of just become a mantra for me like it's very easy when residency is so hard and we are work so hard that to like fall into habits of complaining and um 
focusing on negative things. And I, when I came into residency, I sort of made a commitment to myself. Like I'm always going to focus on positives. Even I, that's not to say that I'm not going to complain or not going to, um, uh, think, see only things through rose colored glasses, but, um, even in the most negative situations, I'm going to try, I always say to myself, like, find one positive situation from this. And so whether that's, well, even if I've made a mistake, like either surgically or a medical decision, well, now I can learn from that. Like, I know the mistake I made, and I've learned from it. Or if there's times where we're like, where we feel like we're just overworked or things aren't fair, well, know that that aspect of like learning that you feel like this situation isn't fair or you're overworked unfairly thinking about, well, now that I know the situation, I'm going to try to prevent this from happening in the future for my lower levels that might face a similar situation, or I'm, I'm aware of how these things might affect other people now. And so I think the the mantra that I have of always trying to find at least one thing positive about any situation that I go through is helpful for me to get through things it's part of my coping mechanism (laughs) yeah that is that's helpful are you you know i think it's always it's always helpful to transmit that to a team too right and that that can be such a powerful message if you are showing that in a time that might be hard for the whole team as well so um, Shao, what about your wellness? Um, when we talk about wellness residency, we're, we're trying to make many efforts at a systems level, but there's also that personal, um, you know, definition of wellness. What is yours? Yeah. Um, I think, um, my wellness is that like, I am a big believer I mean, that, you- yeah, go yeah, I mean, already you've talked about it, right? Being positive yeah. and things like that, but but just kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think being positive is great. I think um, I I want to, the message I want to send to the team on my lower levels is that, like, residency will be hard, and every day, not every day is going to be your favorite day, but I want you to be able to go home and know that you put in a good day's work and that uh, you should be, happy that you're through every challenge that you have you can um, go home and sleep and know that you put in the work so that either you can grow you're taking care of your patients and you're um, uh, looking after your team and if you can go home and say you've done those things that you tried your best to do those things then you, you can be you can um, I feel like you should be able to sleep well at night knowing that those things have been accomplished um, I think um, that's law of residency is hard and um, there's a lot of new things, a lot of respons- new responsibilities and challenges we have to get through. And um, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's definitely a thing that nothing, nothing in life necessarily prepares you for, but <laughs> if you keep on moving through, one day at a time, it, you will get through it and you will come out of it a better doctor and a better person. So do you feel like, like it, it sounds like part of wellness to you is, is really that deep 
satisfaction of knowing that you are giving your all to what you're doing? Is that what you Yeah, would, absolutely. That's that? a, that's a, that's what, yes, that's a great way of putting it. I think that um, part of my wellness is that I can, I'm really, this is, I would not change this for the world. I would want, like, this is what I know I want to do. And I go home every day and like, yes, not every day is the best. Um, and you don't feel, you feel tired and you feel you get exhausted on some days more than others. But when you really sit down and think about it, like this is, I wouldn't do anything else. Like, I feel like I found my mission. I found what I want to do in life. And so that's a really rewarding feeling for me. And how did you, how did you decide on this? How did you get here? What does bring you every day besides that, you know, that, it's a it's a wonderful mantra that you live by. What drew you to OBGYN, and and what do you want to do in the field? Yeah, um, I I think a lot of this is sort of my history. Um, my um, uh, I've always been interested in the sciences and just fascinating how the body works. Um, but I tried a few different jobs and internships in like engineering and research, and they there wasn't, um, it just didn't appeal to me. There was too much of the time spent in front of computers and not enough time spent in front of people. And so the fact that in medicine, your goal most of the time is to directly affect how like someone else's life and the fact that I can use my love of science and my knowledge of science to do that has been really appealing. How I got into OBGYN is um, a little bit of an interesting story as well. Um, my, I have a now 12-year-old sister, and my mom had a long um, course on trying to get and, and um, dealing with pregnancy when she was 42 years old. Um, and so that is definitely something that um, uh, helped shape my interest in, um, mm. uh, in OBGYN uh, from even a young age of 16. I remember looking up local OBGYNs and high-risk doctors at that time and learning about the different risks of um, uh, pregnancy and things like that. And so that was an interesting thing. Wow. That, and so that was definitely something that appealed to me. Um, and then going forward, I've always loved um, pregnancy as both from like a scientific standpoint, like the physiologic changes of pregnancy are fascinating and how that can affect every other organ system and affect every other, um, uh, affect how any other disease process can be changed in pregnancy is a really fascinating topic and is why I'm interested in going into MFM and that's why I'm applying for that. Oh, fantastic. Um, so maternal fetal medicine is, is your calling and you're in the middle of applications or your applications are in. And at this point you're hearing about interviews. Is that, is that where you As, are? Yep. I'm hearing back from interviews. It's a bit of a nerve wracking process because it's a, <laughs> another step and another transition in my life. But I feel like this place has definitely prepared me for that. Very cool. Do you have a, an area within MFM that's piquing your interest right now? Any current research that you're very yeah. excited about? Um, I definitely like the um, maternal side of MFM a lot. I mean, the fetal side is great. I love ultrasounds. It's definitely like I've always loved doing ultrasounds, reading ultrasounds, and like the fact that 
putting just like a probe on belly, you can learn so much about both the pregnancy and the fetus is yeah. amazing to me. So that's a, that's a given, but I do really love the pregnancy side of things. And um, sadly, it's one of those things where patients in pregnancy um, have a, can get so sick yet there. And it's one of those areas that um, a lot of, I would say other providers and other specialties are um, not necessarily equipped to fully understand the things. And that's where I think a lot of MFMs can come into play where they can sort of navigate, well, how does this disease and pregnancy change and how does, um, how can we help navigate um, uh, patients who can get really ill um, and both consider the fetal complications as well as the maternal complications of pregnancy. Yes, you really end up being a, a counselor, not only to the patient as they're going through it, but to um, you know, other physicians in the field when they encounter, you know, a regular disease state, but the patient might be pregnant, right? Yeah. And, and everything. So you really, really will affect a lot of, um, you, you will have contact with, with all sorts of specialties as you enter this one. And um, that's great. Uh, very exciting show. It's, it's awesome to hear your passion for the field really is, is very audible here. So it's awesome. Very excited for you. Thank you. Um, we would be remiss though, if we talked to you about, you know, all of your passions, but didn't talk about baking because I know that you've often brought in some pretty great snacks, especially when we have onk snacks and everything. You're, you're always bringing something great. Tell us about that. Yeah. I mean, I, it's definitely part of my stress relief. And I joke that on um, when I get stressed, baking is um, one of the ways I de-stress. And part of it's like nothing feels better than just like having your entire apartment smell of like vanilla and chocolate <laughs> and stuff. Like, that's just a great feeling to have and to have, like, fall asleep too. And so I think that's a good thing for me. Um, but it's also great to be able to share um Baked goods with um, my colleagues and uh, nurses and uh, med students and everyone that is here, and so it's it's a nice, somewhat easy way to just um, spread a little bit of like happiness and like in this place. And so that's one of the one of my things that I've I've done honestly since um, uh, uh, since college. I've sort of always try to incorporate some of that um, into any of the teams I've worked with. So, uh, and it's definitely something I want to continue as well, um, especially when I go into chief year um, and uh, continue to bake for my teams. Honestly, if I could, I love actually cooking just as much for if not more. It's just honestly okay. hard to cook a like five course meal for your team and bring that <laughs> in. Baking just is a little bit more feasible and a little bit more reasonable. Yeah. Now, where did you get these culinary skills? I think it was, um, I've always loved food. I am a, I always loved eating and um, I've always enjoyed being in the kitchen. I remember some of my best memories are like the simple memories with my grandparents um, making dumplings for me in the kitchen. And so it's definitely something that's been like a personal thing for me. Mm -hmm. Um but then I do remember in college, um, we 
came up with this tradition my sophomore year, me and my three other sweet mates of doing Sunday dinner every every Sunday, regardless of what was going on. We made a commitment to ourselves that like, hey, let's sit down and have like a Sunday family meal together. And so it started off as like, oh, we grab something from the cafeteria or we grab um, takeout. But um, I made a commitment was like, hey, why don't I try cooking for you guys? And those things became more and more extravagant. Um, we'd invite more friends over. Um, people on our floor, other friends we knew. And so what became like cooking for four people at one point became cooking for uh, 30 people. Um, and so that was um, probably one of my uh, proudest non-academic achievements of um, college was planning a basically uh, a dinner party for 30 people. It's wow. But basically 72 hours of prep work <laughs> trying to get everything ready and we still we had a lot the my rotten requirement was um people had to bring the drinks because i well i could try cook and do stuff for that um a lot of people brought wine and other things um and so it was great and i also think that was maybe one of the reasons i actually got into um residency here because one <laughs> of my friends who was uh, applying to OBGYN residency interviewed on the same day as me and um, actually bragged to Dr. Strand about my cooking abilities. I remember she was at this dinner party. And so maybe that my <laughs> cooking abilities had a small impact on my presence here. And, and did that friend of yours, did she match here? <laughs> she did not match here, unfortunately. <laughs> but um, she was very happy. I think she went to a New York program that she was very happy in where she was from. So um, awesome. <laughs> I'm very thankful to her as well. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Well, we all appreciate it when you bring your baked goods, and I hope to someday maybe join one of your dinner parties, too. Yes. <laughs> um, how has it been, you know, I think that um, dinner parties in the time of COVID and the pandemic, and, and speaking of transitions, we're kind of in a place right now where we're transitioning um, away from all the restrictions we got pretty used to. How, how has that been for you? How are you feeling about re-entry and no masks and doing that in the hospital I have, it's yeah it's definitely been it's a quick change I mean it was a quick change into COVID obviously it's a yep. quick change out of COVID um, I think um, it was really great um, feeling when I finished my COVID shots and I felt like well now I can take like a breath of relief um, and like um, at that point my like um we both me and my girlfriend had planned a trip to visit my parents and um that had to be postponed in the setting of covid and i had not seen my parents or my sister for over a year because of covid and so once we were able to we at least felt comfortable going back and taking a plane ride having both been vaccinated at that time and so that was a really nice um change i am hopeful that we can return a little bit back to normalcy. Um, I don't know if everything will go away um, immediately. And, and there may be still things that we can learn from COVID that um, are important things to keep, like the like the level of sanitation required for things. Like that's probably things that should stay around even without COVID that uh, we should probably be still vil vigilant about um, just infection prevention in general. And so I think there's um, 
I think there's, I'm hopeful that we can return to some levels of normalcy, um, but I do hope that we don't take steps back in terms of our vigilance and preventing, say, other um, pandemics from happening. Over the past year, we've been speaking up more on anti-Asian bias and discrimination. I asked Xiao to discuss some of his views on this subject. Um, yeah. I think definitely um, COVID has definitely brought to light a lot of um, uh, conflicts with the Asian community, um, uh, whether things calling like the China virus and things like that, that's definitely brought to light some of the um, the uh, issues with racism in our country, um, uh, especially targeted towards um, Asian and Pacific Islanders. Um, I think my personal history with being an Asian and being uh, first generation Asian here, I, I think I've always struggled with my Asian identity and I didn't quite always realize why I struggled with it. And part of it I think is, my goal going forward is that I don't remember many like for like people of Asian descent being like vocal or visible role models for me. And so mm-hmm. that's things mm-hmm. like people in the media. And I hope that's one of the next steps that um, us in the Asian community can do is being more either vocal or more uh, visible because that's one of the things that I think I lacked as a child growing up and one of the things that honestly as a child I dealt with a lot of I don't know if I would call it um like like hatred of my identity or at least sort of refusal to accept my identity um and so I think that could be a good step where we have as a culture have a lot to be proud of and we have a big voice that we should um continue to uh be seen and be heard that I think I want to that I, I hope would could be the next step um, for us. Yeah, thank you. Um, and in, in medicine, I mean, have you have you have you felt that at all as you entered a medical career in medical school or residency? Or yeah, definitely. I think it's it was definitely. Um, I've been lucky, and I've actually found a lot of um, Asian mentors along my path, whether that was in medical school or um, here. Um, and so I, I think it's definitely something to um, that uh, is something I want to continue. And hopefully that can be a part of my career that I, that it's not just the stereotype that we are sort of the workers and the, the people who are just followers, but we can actually be leaders in a field as well. And that's something I'm hopeful that I can incorporate as part of my future career as, uh, as someone who could be a voice for the Asian community or be visible for the Asian community and be mentors to other generations of Asians growing up. Um, I definitely have, um, it's, it's, I honestly, it's I, it's rare seeing Asian, especially Asian um, males in OBGYN. And so it's definitely something that I think um, I want to um, uh, be able to uh, highlight as a like um, something that is should be accepted and should be able to 
uh, be celebrated that I, I can hopefully become a successful Asian um, male uh, OBGYN. Oh, become, you already are. <laughs> Fair. Um, Fair enough. Yeah, own it. <laughs> um, that's fantastic. No, I, you are an incredible role model to everyone. So um, it's going to be great to have you as a chief coming up and just so excited to see you take those next steps towards your academic goals as well as you enter fellowship. Um, thank you so much for sharing so much with us during the yeah. podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you, Dr. Nagyman. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. Do you have any um, any other words you'd love? Any words of advice? Uh, you've said some great ones, but anything else that you wish you would have known as you transitioned? Um, if you could go back and do it again, what transition to any step of the way, whether it's from intern to second year, second to third year, um, you know, who knows who's listening out there. <laughs> We're always transitioning in some way. Um, I think um, I think still my takeaway message is that there is always a, it's always is a great learning opportunity. I think there's every step of the way you can find something to learn from and grow from and become either a better person, a better doctor, a better friend. And so I think um, I truly do feel like every challenge you've hit or every success you hit is a um, great uh, place to learn from and great place to grow from. Great words to live and work by. Um, that's awesome. All right, Shall we got to get you to sleep. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Get some rest. And um, thanks again so much. And just really appreciate having you and, and hearing hearing your story. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Eatman. All right. Talk to you soon. I can't believe it's graduation time again. It's hard to believe that it's already here. I feel like these four years of residency have really flown by. And you've been the chief on the Onc service and you've had Dr. Wang as one of your third years. Can you speak to that transition that's about to happen? Yeah, I mean, it's been such a joy to work with Xiao over all of the years and especially to see him rise into his role as a third year. I think one of the really special things about Xiao is that he is just always so positive about whatever service he's on. And I'm really excited to see him take that excitement in his job and positive attitude and pass it on to his lower levels as a chief next year. That's awesome. And Dr. Brown, congrats on your fellowship and you are transitioning to MFM fellowship soon. Thank you. Heading off to Columbia? I am. I know it's a big move, but it's very bittersweet to leave here. Awesome. special bond him and I. He's like a big brother. He's the best. Agreed. Yes. <laughs>